This is The Rooted Podcast, a conversation about the Christian worldview and its implications for every part of life. The Rooted Podcast is hosted by Steve Royce and Brady Johnson. Together, they have over two decades of experience in the business and tech industries and share a desire to help others filter all of life through the Christian faith. Hi, and thanks for listening to The Rooted Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Brady. And on this episode, we're picking back up with part two of our needs assessment content to take a look at some of the most effective questions that you can ask someone and why they work so well. Yeah, and I would I would just say up front that we're going to be pulling some ideas from several books. And so I'll go ahead and I'll do the commercial for, for both of them right now. And we're going to put links to all of this in the show notes as well in case you want to pick up some reading for yourself while you're sitting at home. So the first one, we have mentioned this one several times on the podcast before. So that if you've listened, this shouldn't be a, a new one to you. And that is Tactics by Greg Kokel. There is a new version out. Uh, I think it's a 10th anniversary edition with some extra chapters and updated content. It's available on Amazon and we will put the link there. If you are even remotely interested in how you can improve your conversational skills when you're discussing potentially loaded topics like spiritual truth, then you absolutely need this book, period. You just do. So just get it. You won't regret it. Another book that we are going to make a recommended resource is a book you may not have heard of, and it's certainly it's our first time mentioning it on the podcast, and it is Permission Evangelism by a gentleman named Michael L. Simpson. And Michael has been, uh, he has an interesting perspective because like us, he's someone who has a business and marketing perspective and he became a Christian later in life. And so he was an atheist and antagonistic actually to Christianity. He became a Christian and then he was able to apply a lot of the experience he had from the business and sales world and marketing world to how he did evangelism. And so you're going to hear echoes of a lot of what we've been talking about in the podcast in his book, if you pick it up. And there's just a really intriguing concept from the book that we want to share with you today. Yeah, that's awesome. It's good to know that there's even more content than what we've originally kind of talked about. And yeah. I'm sure as we keep going, we'll find more that we can link to in uh, later episodes. But, uh, you know, to get started, we first want to do a bit of review. It's been about, what, four weeks now since our last episode on the topic. Uh, so if you go back and you were to re-listen to episode seven, and you could recall, you know, we discussed some of the basic building blocks of good questions and really how to use them. And those blocks were, building blocks were open-ended questions. Uh, those are the questions that can't be answered with a simple yes or no, or even with just a one or two word answer. You have your follow-up and drill-down questions. Those are the ones that are going to piggyback off of something that was just said by the other person that's going to give you that opportunity to really ask them you know, if it's something that you really want to focus on. And then the last one was the paraphrasing. Again, summarizing what you think that you had heard from the other person and what they say uh, so that you can really ensure that you're hearing everything they said correctly before you start digging into another question. Yeah, exactly. And 
the reason that we broke this topic of needs assessment and asking good questions up into two parts is because those building blocks that Brady just mentioned, those are really crucial to having a good foundation. And if you aren't comfortable with those kinds of questions or statements, then what comes next is going to be relatively difficult to jump into because it's going to assume that you're you're comfortable with those things. So at this point, we're going to cover today's content with the assumption that you're comfortable with those basic building blocks or that you're actively working on becoming comfortable with them. And the best way to do that is just a practice. And so, I mean, honestly, if you want to if you want to get better at asking open-ended questions, you can totally just practice on your family and your friends in conversation on a Zoom call, whatever. And I mean, the best part is they don't even have to know that that's what you're doing. You can just ask them something out of the blue and be like, Hey, tell me about, uh, tell me about what happened today or, or something like that. And just practice using these kinds of questions with people and try and follow up or ask them about what's something that they just said. It works surprisingly well, and it will help you get to feel like this isn't so new when you're having a conversation with someone you might not know as well. So let's get into our three key asks for this episode. And that's kind of how we've we've formatted it. There are three things that you should be asking. This is all about questions. And so our first ask is that when you are discussing with someone spiritual things or you're in, about to have a spiritual conversation or you're in the midst of it suddenly, the first thing you need to think about, you have to ask for definitions. And this is a concept that comes right out of Tactics by Greg Kokel. But in a nutshell, the idea is that when you aren't sure, like absolutely sure that you know what a person means by something they've just said, then you just need to ask, hey, what do you mean? Or what do you mean by that? And it seems simple enough, but it does it does two very important things for you. So first... It ensures that what you think that they mean is what they actually mean, which may or may not have been the case. And so as, let me give an example. As an evangelical Christian, probably I, I would be familiar with the majority of terms that a Mormon would use with me in a conversation about their beliefs, but it would be a huge oversight for me to assume that because I use the same term that that they and I must mean the same thing by it. Like, for instance, if I asked a Mormon how they believe people are saved, they may reply, well, people are saved through Jesus Christ. But if I followed up and I asked them, well, what do you mean by that? Which is our question, asking for a definition. How exactly does Jesus save people? Then I would find out that our doctrines on that differ dramatically. And I'm going to prove that. I just want to, I don't want you to take my word for it. I'm going to read a couple short excerpts directly from the official Mormon website, churchofjesuschrist.org. They've just rebranded. And so this is very current. If you want to read the fuller article for yourself, I will link it in the show notes for you, uh, just so you can fact check me and make sure that I'm not reading something out of its context. And so here goes, here's a couple of the excerpts from different articles. Followers of Christ are assured salvation from the eternal consequences of sin if they are obedient. And the emphasis is mine on that. And then here's another excerpt. To be cleansed from sin through the Savior's atonement, an individual must exercise faith in Jesus Christ, repent, be baptized, 
and received the gift of the Holy Ghost, see Acts 2, which is out of context, and those who have been baptized and have received the Holy Ghost through the proper priesthood authority have been conditionally saved from sin. In this sense, salvation is conditional, depending on an individual's continuing in faithfulness or enduring to the end in keeping the commandments of God. So this is where I would say, oh yeah, people are saved through Jesus Christ. But if I don't ask them what they mean by that, then assuming that they hold the exact the same doctrines that their church officially teaches, I would never get to the point that, well, yeah, people are saved through Jesus Christ, except uh, it's up to you whether you keep it or not. Well, we would differ dramatically on that. That's not what I mean when I say people are saved through Jesus Christ. I believe it has nothing to do with the person. It's only through grace. So obviously my definition of salvation through Jesus is an unconditional act of his mercy and his grace just by placing my soul trust in him. And that diverges pretty wildly from the conditional obedience-based salvation that Mormons officially hold to. But I wouldn't have known that if I didn't ask the question. And so this should get us thinking about other definitions too. If this is what they mean by salvation, well, then what do they mean by grace? So here's another pool from the website. And then again, we'll link to the article that this comes from. So you have context, but it says this, through the atonement, we can all be forgiven of our sins. We can become clean before God to receive this enabling power we must obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, which includes having faith in him, repenting of our sins, being baptized, there's baptism for salvation again, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, and trying to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ for the rest of our lives. That's what grace means? Well, it sounds like that's effort to me, right? So the second thing uh, in asking, what do you mean by that? that it's going to do for you. So the first thing it does for you is that it clarifies that you're actually meaning the same thing, which in this case we wouldn't be. The second thing that asking that question does for you is that it's going to not only compare your definition with theirs and clarify differences, but it's also going to help you understand how they use or think of certain terms. For instance, now I know what the official definition from the Mormon church is for salvation and grace, but it's a whole other kettle of fish to try and figure out what is this Mormon that I'm talking to right now believe. Maybe they would define things a little bit differently, or maybe they have a slightly different definition. And I really honestly can't overemphasize how important this is. If you want to shut down a conversation, here's how you do it. You make a wrong assumption that a person holds a belief that they don't actually hold, right? So let's, let me give you a example that might be a little close to home. Oh, you're a Christian, so you think it's okay to kill gay people and deny women health care, right? You see what I did there, right? I wrongly assumed that you hold a belief that you probably almost definitely don't hold. Well, that's a great way to kill a conversation. So don't do that, right? If you're interested in continuing the conversation with the person, uh, instead, if you're unsure about what they believe about something, you should ask instead of tell them what they believe. And then you can follow up by asking for definitions if you need to. So let's put a bow on this whole concept, asking for definitions. Don't assume words with any spiritual association or connotation are being used by the person that you're talking to the same way you would use them. And when in doubt, 
You just have to ask them, what do you mean by that? And then you let them define their terms more clearly for you. And it might even lead them to ask you, well, what do you mean by it? And then you get the opportunity to share what you believe. So always be ready to answer your own questions. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's always important to get that clarity up front. Uh, It's a great first ask, you know, asking for our definitions. You know, that leads us to uh, pretty directly into our next key ask uh, for this episode, which is another one that's out of tactics, and that's ask for proof. And I don't know if any of you who are listening have ever really been on social media or not, but if you have, you may have noticed that some people do like throw out some claims or make statements without any sort of proof or to back anything up they're saying. Super rare, though. So maybe you have oh, super, super rare, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it reminds me of that scene. You've seen Inside Out, right? The Pixar movie. Yeah. Do you remember the part where they have the they're going through the memories of the, the gal and they run into someone who's carrying boxes and one box is labeled facts and one is labeled opinions and they get all knocked over and everything falls out and gets mixed up. <laughs> and the yeah. guy is just like, who's in charge of it? He's like, ah, just throw them in either one. It doesn't really it happens all the time. Don't worry about it. Or people like facts yeah. and opinions getting getting, you know, mixed up and assumed that they belong in the other box. Yeah, exactly. I mean. When you're talking with someone and they throw out a statement, that makes you wonder if what they believe or or really where they got that information from and just ask them, yeah, how do you how do you know that? Right? Why do you think that? Uh, I think sometimes we like to conflate things. Uh as opinion is fact. You know, this isn't something that you want to abuse though. Uh otherwise you'll end up sounding like that little kid who just keeps asking why every five seconds, oh, right? Like Nobody my, likes my that kids. Kid. Yeah. 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 It's that age, right? Yep. Yeah. So save this question for times where an assertion is being made that really should have some kind of support. You know, if you or I are being asked to grant it, uh, but if no support is given, for example, you know, more people have been killed because of Christians trying to spread the gospel than by any other group of people in history. Uh, That's one that still pops up on atheist videos on YouTube. uh, But it's basically just a reference to the atrocities committed during the Crusades and the Spanish Inquisition. But we should be thinking a few things when we hear something like that, right? Yeah, first we should really be thinking, really, is that true? And so we can ask our own question, though. Like, really, how do you know that? And you can see if they can provide you with a reference that isn't from just a blogger, right? Uh, I'm talking about some, you know, actual peer-reviewed data, research papers, you know, official numbers from like reputable sources, uh, you know, something on human genocide specifically. You know, if they can, you know, you can thank them and take the time to look at it later. But if they can't, then you have to ask them, well, how do you know that that's true? Mm -hmm. Uh, Second, we should be thinking, you know, so what? In the sense that we're thinking something through like the implications of their statement, assuming it's true for that moment, at least. Uh, let's assume it's it's factually true for the Christians top top the leaderboard you know, of the most people killed throughout all of human history. Which, spoiler alert, they don't. Uh, we'll have links in the show notes for that. Uh, but in the moment, you should just be thinking, okay, assuming that is true, so what? What does that change, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in this specific example, we can assume that the claim is true and that every single person in the Crusades and the Inquisition was actually a Christian, which again, spoiler alert, they weren't. Uh, what does that change about Jesus or what he had taught? 
about historical evidence for the resurrection. Nothing, right? Not a thing. It just makes most of the Christians who've ever lived really bad at following Jesus. Yeah. Uh, you could even ask that person a follow-up by saying, so assuming that is true, how do you think Jesus would have reacted to their behavior? And I think the point here is just really that when we're faced with a bad assertion, which happens shockingly often in conversations, uh, it's okay to just stop and ask that person to defend their claim with some evidence uh, instead of having, you know, just take their word for it. And that reminds me of something that I heard before that is just the burden of proof is on the person who's making the claim. And that's true. Right. That's true for us too, when we're the ones making the claim. So, but, but the, the issue that I've run into and seen is so often as Christians, we like to jump in when someone says something like, you know, we feel the need to go, no, that's not true. And here's all the reasons why here's all my proof. Here's all my resources and everything. But you kind of need to slow your roll a little bit because if they are the ones who made the claim, then they need to prove to us that it's true. We don't owe it to them to prove that it isn't. It's like in court, right? Like if you get accused of a crime and they're the one claiming that you did something, it's their burden to prove that you did it, not your burden to prove that you didn't, right? right. So that's our second ask is ask for proof. And then the final ask comes from Michael Simpson's book, Permission Evangelism, uh, which we would also recommend, and that is, ironically enough, ask for permission. So Simpson makes, I, I think, some really excellent points in his book, but one of the ones that stuck out most to me is that often as Christians, we feel really awkward having spiritual conversations or bringing up spiritual topics, and Simpson would say that that's because either we we haven't asked permission or because we have asked and we didn't get it and we decided to keep going anyway. And that's why it's awkward. And his overall point is really important, I think, because he, he says we need to keep dropping what he calls trigger words or trigger phrases into what we're saying or asking. And those are things that are designed to continually generate permission from the other person. And as soon as you don't get permission from them, then it's time to pull the plug. It's like abort, abort, right? You drop the topic or you just walk away or you change, change, change subjects. And so some examples of this, like trigger words or phrases that he uses in his book, a trigger word would be words like church, Christ, Jesus, ministry, or God, right? If you're dropping those words into what you're saying, or like, well, what are you doing this weekend? Well, I'm going to go to church because I follow Jesus. Or you say something like, oh, I'm involved in a ministry this weekend. That's a trigger word. You drop that out there and the a trigger phrase might be something like, I had a spiritual experience or I had a life-changing experience. My beliefs changed on that topic if you're talking about something in particular. Even something as broad as, you know, I used to think that too, but I had an experience that changed my perspective completely on that. Now, if someone says that to you and you are in a conversation with a thoughtful person, it those kinds of statements absolutely invite follow-up questions. And we've talked about follow-up mm -hmm. questions in the previous episode, right? That, well, tell me more about that. Or, yeah, so you said something about this. Well, what do you mean by that? Or any kind of thing like that. So the reason that you are dropping these breadcrumbs into your conversation, these trigger words and phrases, 
is to see whether or not you elicit a reaction or better yet, you elicit uh, the next logical question from them. Like Simpson says in his book, like using these words and phrases is going to have one of two effects, right? Depending on the person's spiritual sensitivity, it's either going to attract them. And so they're going to ask you more or it's going to repel them and they're going to like ignore it or pretend that you didn't just say it. And that response, however they react, it's not up to you, but we would all do well to pay attention to it and take our cue about what to do or say next based on whether it attracts them and they ask or it repels them and they don't. I want to read a short snippet from his book that illustrates it. So he says on in in one of the chapters, a trigger phrase tells the person that you are open to revealing a bit of your life if he's curious. It leaves a question hanging between you. If he asks it, you know he cares. If he doesn't care enough about you as a person to ask the question, what makes you think he will be open to you presenting the gospel? And I think that's absolutely dead on. Uh, I mean, it reminds me of some, something that Jesus said and did. Jesus called his disciples to be fishers of men. And so think of this process, uh, this trigger words and phrases as like dropping bits of bait into the water. And some days, if you've ever fished, I used to fish before I stopped eating fish, but some days uh, the fish are only going to respond to certain bait. And if you fish, if you're a good fisherman, you're not going to sit around and just lament the fact that, well, I guess they're just not biting today and then complain, right? A a good fisherman is going to fish with a bait for a little bit of time, maybe a half hour, maybe 40 minutes. And if they don't get a bite, then they change the bait. It's, it's not the fish's problem that they're not biting the one thing you're throwing out there. You change tax, not them. So you change the bait and you keep changing baits until you find something that the fish do respond to. And that's a similar concept here. So you may get a chance to mention that you go to church. Well, the next logical question might be, oh, where do you go to church? Right. And which gives you another opportunity to ask a question or drop another trigger word or phrase out there. If you get zero response from that, or if they change the subject, or if they pretend that you just didn't say anything at all about church, they aren't biting. So just leave it. And as Simpson says later on in his book, success in evangelism is obedience to the Holy Spirit, not saving souls. And that to me is huge. Like when I read that the first time, I had to read it a few times because I think it's so different than how we think about evangelism. Well, evangelism means getting people saved. No, evangelism is sharing the message at the prompting of the Holy Spirit, not getting people saved. That's God's job. I think he's dead on with this. If you try to drop breadcrumbs and people just aren't responding, it would be disobedient to God to continue to push and not listen to the Holy Spirit's leading, and then maybe even potentially damaging that uh, damaging that person's openness to future spiritual conversations. Evangelism is not sharing the gospel at all costs. Don't forget, Jesus told his disciples not to cast their pearls before swine, and when he sent them out two by two, he even said to leave villages where their message was not received and shake the dust off their feet and move on. Right. And I think we can forget that sometimes. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. And I think the big thing that really sticks to me is evangelism is not sharing the gospel at all costs. You know, that resonates uh, really well with me. Yeah. 
But yeah, so summarize our three asks here. We have ask for definitions with questions like, what do you mean by that? Ask for proof with questions like, how do you know that? And ask permission as you go by dropping in those trigger words and phrases, engaging the response so that you know when to proceed and when to wrap things up. Yeah, and all that leads to a well-rounded conversation, really, because if you're following all these, then you know how to ask questions and listen to their response. But with trigger words and phrases, you also know how to get them or, or lead them to ask you questions so that you can respond. And so you have, you have the give and take all sorted out. And once you've done these things, then you may find yourself with an opportunity to, to really get into sharing what you believe about things. And that is where the next step of our sales process evangelism method comes in. But before you can share what you believe, uh, you actually have to know what you believe. Go figure, right? And in the sales world, this would be like a salesperson like having to know your product. You have to know your product before you can sell it or talk about it intelligently. Otherwise, you're just rambling on. And so we're going to spend several of our upcoming episodes discussing how resources and, and ideas on how you can quickly become more knowledgeable about Christian doctrine and topics and, and what we believe as Christians. If that's not something that up to this point you have spent a lot of time investing in, but be encouraged because it is never too late to learn. It's never too late to dive in. It's never too late to really, you know, lean into getting your faith uh, grounded and getting that foundation and really coming to understand what is it that I really say I believe or what is it that I really do believe. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Yeah. And if you haven't already subscribed to our podcast on Google Podcasts or iTunes, uh, please consider doing so and you'll get immediate notifications when our new episodes drop. And also, if you've been listening for a while, please do consider leaving us a rating and a review or just telling someone else about us. Uh, to help others discover the podcast. And one more thing, if you have a question or a topic that you'd like for us to cover, we'll be collecting those for our first Q&A episode once we have enough questions uh, to answer. It doesn't have to be directly related to our current content. It could be a biblical question, something all apologetics related, uh, or even just a question that you've had on your mind. So please email us at podcast at rooted.productions. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Rooted Podcast, a creation of Rooted Productions and an affiliate of the Oasis Church in Gilbert, Arizona. For more information about the podcast or to submit a question or comment, please visit us at rooted.productions. Follow us on Instagram at rooted.productions or email podcast at rooted.productions. That's Rooted.Productions. We hope you'll join us next time.